This is the Midlife Motorheads Podcast. Listen in as we talk about our automotive adventures in the shop, on the road, and at the track. So climb on in, tighten those belts, and let's go for a ride. We are the Midlife Motorheads. And now, broadcasting from Motorhead Central, somewhere in the Carolinas, is the hosts of the show, Gene and Trotty. All right, welcome everybody to the show. Today we are going to be talking some high-performance driver education. How about you, Gene? You doing well? I'm doing well. I'm kind of excited about our guest today. You know, Trotty? You never know what you're going to get when you buy a used car. And if you're buying a used race car or track car, you're really taking a chance. But you and I got lucky a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. We met Mr. Greg Bell. Uh, We we drove up to uh, his farm and picked the car up. The car was a sweet deal. Uh, It served us very well. I think it got you through your driver education program, didn't it? Well, it got me through uh, number two in in the NASA program. HPDE2. HPDE2, yes. yep. Had a good time with that car. It was fantastic. Yep. So we found out through um, you know getting to know him a little bit better that Greg's been an instructor for a long time in a, a bunch of different series. Greg, how are you doing? Just fine. Glad to be on here with you guys. Glad to have you. Yep. Appreciate you spending time with us. So, Greg, let's just jump right into it. Tell us about HPDE. What is High Performance Driving Education? Well, um, I started this uh, back in the 90s, and I'm not so sure that that term was even available back then, uh, HPDE. Somewhere along the way, that came along. But when I first had instruction, uh, I basically had a a driving coach, and uh, actually my wife bought me like a birthday present or an anniversary present spend time with a guy on a racetrack in Colorado, and I don't remember any mention of that term uh, back then, you know, in the mid-90s. And then uh, the next thing I did was uh, SCCA time trials, and still uh, there was basically training prior to the time trials, but I don't remember them calling it HPDE. So, uh, it's, it's a relatively new term, let's say the last 20 years, I think. So you, you went from student to time trials. When did you become an instructor? Um, actually, not that many years ago. Um, I, well, kind of the long story short is I started out in a five-liter Mustang, which was a really terrible choice for uh, a track car. And I probably spent a lot more time wrenching and messing with the car than I did driving and learning. So um, I didn't become an instructor until something like seven, eight years ago. Uh, And my first uh, actual instruction was actually prior to me being certified. You know, I was asked to instruct and I did. But then somewhere seven or eight years ago, I got instructor certification through the BMW Car Club of America. And uh, that's kind of when I became the instructor. So you mentioned that you were a driver for a while and then became the instructor. That instruction, that education process in becoming an instructor, 
and you look back on you know the time before that, what would you have done differently? Oh, lots of things. Yeah, I am. Um, this is usually one of my uh, topics with students when we're sitting in grid and kind of just killing time waiting to go on track is one of the things for sure that I would have done differently is buy a car that was more suitable out of the box for a track car. Now, that, that could be a race car, a used race car. It could be something like uh, the 968 that uh, you bought from me. But a five-liter Mustang is not a good starting point. <laughs> this was a 91 box body. You know, terrible safety, terrible brakes, really bad handling characteristics. You know, uh, basically everything that could be bad was bad. So that's probably the first thing. And the second thing is, uh, I think, starting out uh, in something like time trialing is a bad mix because you start out with that competitive mindset. You know, you have to beat your buddies. You're going to worry. You're going to worry about where your time is relative to other people. And really, you should learn how to drive. So I think that was kind of my second mistake. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, some of it is, um, for me anyway, is I'm an engineer and I tend to be uh, oriented towards wrenching and, you know, tweaking things, improving things. But really, you know, you should leave your car alone, learn to drive, <laughs> and, and then work on your car actually when the car is limiting you instead of, instead of when you're limiting everything. Right. Well, all right, say, um, you know, somebody's listening to this and they've been, you know, driving their personal, you know, car, maybe even illegally on the streets. What's the best way for them to start? Well, I think um, one of the best things that I've seen is a program that a few tracks have and some clubs are starting to have. We call it here at the National Corvette Museum track uh, HPDI, High Performance Driving Introduction. And we have a classroom part where we talk about what is a track car, which is basically anything that's... Uh, you know, a street car can be a track car. We, we basically say you don't have to have anything fancy as long as it's a safe street car. It's probably a reasonable track car. And we basically explain that, you know, you can run on street tires. It's better, it's better to learn on street tires. We talk a lot about, you know, flushing your brakes and getting your brakes up to snuff for being on a racetrack. And we talk about helmets, uh, you know, kind of those basic things. And we go through the tech sheet, uh, the pre-track uh, tech inspection form. We go through that and kind of explain what's on there so that people have an idea of how far away their car is before they sign up for a track day. So, and then we, uh, then we have uh, track time, which is lead follow. And I personally think lead follow is very helpful if someone's kind of showing you the pace and flashing their brake lights where you should probably be braking. Um, I think that really helps you. And then you don't have that pressure of someone sitting beside you looking over your shoulder and maybe criticizing little things that don't matter too much. 
but letting you kind of learn the flow of the track and kind of the rhythm of being on the track. I think that's a great place. If, if a person can find one of those introductory programs, that's great. Um, then, you know, and then like the BMW Car Club and Porsche Car Club, they both have really good programs uh, as for novice level people and, and other clubs as well. Right. Well, I went with the uh, NASA, NASA Southeast. Um, that's where and, uh, and, uh, they have a first class program now. That, that's another really good avenue. I think like 10 or 15 years ago, at least out west, NASA had a bad reputation because they had this very high emphasis on getting you into a race car or getting you into time trials. Yes. And I think uh, they really changed that, at least in the East. It's, it's completely different from what I see. Yeah, I, I really enjoy working with the folks at NASA Southeast. I, I don't think we've run with anybody else, but as far as NASA, um, we may get up to the Mid-Atlantic and VIR one time, but um, we've only been with the Southeast guys, and, and they seem to be really good guys. Shout out to Jim Pan. So, Greg, you, you mentioned, you've mentioned a few groups here. How many different groups have you been certified to instruct with? Well, uh, I have actual certification from, um, uh, you know, national certification from for the Porsche Club and for BMW. I've been to both of their instructor training schools and, you know, done the, the full program. But then uh, now there's something called the Motorsports Safety Foundation. If you're familiar with Ross Bentley and his... Uh, He's kind of like the king of all driving instructors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he has uh, pushed pretty hard for instructors to become certified through the Motorsports Safety Foundation. And just recently, uh, past couple of years, I went through that process, which is really uh, just, uh, you know, online. There's no driving part of it. And they accept, you know, BMW or Porsche Club. Or, and I, I believe there are some NASA groups now that they accept. And uh, oh, uh, there's a, a group called Just Tracking out of Atlanta that I know they accept their certification now. Interesting. So how many students would you say, Greg, you've had over the years? Um, it's in the neighborhood of 50. You know, it's it's tens. It's orders of tens uh, I can you know some year sometimes you have a um, couple of students in a weekend and then you might have a couple of like intermediate students that you sort of coach here and there during the weekend so in one weekend sometimes I'll have two or three you know two or three sometimes four people that I'm riding with at some level or uh, you know, going out and uh, showing things, too. So, yeah, it's 50, 100, you know, 50 to 100 type of thing, probably. Oh, perfect. Who would you say would be, like, your best student? Yeah, actually, those those best and worst, they're memorable. So that's actually, uh, <laughs> amazingly, that seems to be an easy question. Uh, <laughs> so my best uh, was a guy um, that I had at Road Atlanta. And I hadn't been instructing too long, and I hadn't had a whole lot of experience at Road Atlanta, maybe once or twice there. Mm -hmm. But I get this guy, and actually he was out of Charlotte, so near you. 
And he was like a pipe fitter, you know, uh, a union uh, pipe fitter guy, you know, rough guy, you know, tough guy. Right. Long hair, big beard, lots of tattoos. Guy looked kind of scary. <laughs> and But he had a, a Ford Focus ST. And he knew all about his car, and he was anxious to show me the things he had done to prep it and make sure I was in agreement that, you know, his tire pressures were right, his brake pads were going to cut it. You know, right off the bat, I was thinking, eh, this guy's going to be okay. It sounded like he did his homework before he um, he got to you. Yeah, he was. he had done his homework. He knew his car well. He hadn't put an extra 1,000 horsepower of turbo on it. You know, it was stock, more or less, with the right brake fluid and good brake pads. And he just was like a joy to instruct because, unlike me, I could tell him, try to do this, this little slightly different thing in this corner next time. And next corner, he would do it. You know, I'm not good at being told what to do and then, immediately executing i kind of have to figure it out but you could tell him to tweak some little thing and he would immediately do that and he would keep doing that so you could build on those little things that you improved and we were going so amazingly fast at the end of the weekend it was just you know like from novice first session on saturday to well into the intermediate group on Sunday evening and probably could have passed many cars in the advanced group and the BMW club, you know, probably could have passed a lot of instructors actually. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. Sounds to me like yeah, listening skills are pretty, pretty good to have when you're trying yeah, to go fast. Listening skills. Exactly. Very good. Very good listening skills. Very polite, very uh, appreciative of input. Um, yeah. We, and we had a little, um, you know, it was a hot, it was a hot weekend. I remember, you know, like 95 degrees, and, uh, you know, road Atlanta. So we were having to run the heat in the car to keep the car from overheating, you know, and he was all, you know, good with that. And, you know, we had a good time. Yeah. So he was, he was by far, you know, just an outstanding guy. To instruct. I've had other very good students, but none that just stick in my mind of like, this is the ultimate, you know, the progress we made, the fun we had, you know, how comfortable I was, you know, never feeling like, uh, this is Effie here, you know, might not make it here. Never felt scared, you know, that kind of thing was all good. Well, hopefully he's listening and he'll recognize himself in your, your description. That was fantastic. Yeah, he may. He may. Uh, all right, so we got to hear about the worst one now. <laughs> okay, the worst one. Uh, so the worst one, uh, ultimately, I have to say, uh, we, we, we worked it out. We got, to, we got to working together pretty well. But the way it started was um, – with a private club uh, at Barber Motorsports Park um, that I've instructed with for a while. And uh, they come down the clubs of Knoxville, and they had rented Barber. And I show up, and they basically read you the name, you know, of your student, and they raise their hand, and you look and see who's got their hand up early in the, in the driver's meeting. 
So I see my student, and, you know, he raises his hand, and I look over there. And for the rest of the driver's meeting, I know that he's never once looked up from his phone. You know, the driver's meeting, he doesn't pay any attention at all. So I'm thinking, uh, might not be a good listener. I'm thinking, this might be challenging. And I notice just a complete disinterest for anything that's said in the driver's meeting. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is not looking good. And then we get to the car. You know, we, we walk outside, and it's a uh, like a 2012, uh, one of the Boss 302, the new, you know, the modern Boss 302 Mustang. A great car, you know, great car. He knows his car, and the car is set up nicely, and everything's good there. But the listening, uh, you know, just isn't happening. I try to, you know, question, you know, how much do you know about the track? Do you know flags? We try to engage on the driving part, and all I get is details about the car. And the car is, you know, everything. How he bought it, how much it cost, you know, the dealer, the little issues under the warranty, you know. Just no listening and no uh, connection with, but we have to drive the car. <laughs> we're not here to look at the car. We're here to drive the car. And, and But finally, um, this kind of goes on for a couple of sessions, and he's going very slow, and we're holding up lots of people. Uh, you know, we're coming in and letting the rest of the track pass us and then going back out. And eventually, I uh, connect with him on, at the computer level. Uh, as an engineer, I did a lot of, like, low-level controller software, you know, something like engine management, uh, ABS systems, you know, things like that. It's kind of more down my alley. And it turned out he was a computer guy, and we sort of connected at the computer level. And then I was able to start kind of saying, well, this is sort of like, you know, when you do this on a computer, or it's sort of like, you know, the farther ahead your eyes are, it's sort of like having a higher sampling rate. You're, you're getting more information into your system. And when I started talking to him in that way, you know, he started, he started making progress. And actually by Sunday, he had moved up from being the slowest guy no, <laughs> we were we were well above slowest, but you know, still in the bottom kind of. But uh, it had definitely improved a lot. And, uh, but that was a that weekend was a struggle because it was such a nice car, and I didn't want to hurt the car. And I kept thinking, well, you know, that was that was close. Oh wow, that was close. <laughs> oh wow, that guy's really mad. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, but it, it finally was okay. But that was kind of my worst. Yeah. yeah that was unforgettable. Yeah, you know, so, so Greg, I think, if, you know, to summarize that, the difference between doing well and getting the most out of a track day is, is to turn on those ears before you turn the key and start listening to the instructor, and, and that's how you're going to learn. Two good stories there. And, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah those, those, are, those are very memorable for me. <laughs> yeah. So, so great. Let's turn more to the, the track and a little away from the student. Tell us about your favorite track and why. 
Well, uh, let's see. Favorite track? That has to be VIR. Now, there's some tracks that I'm pretty sure I would love. Like, if I get to go, like, I've never been to Watkins Glen. I'm guessing I would love it. But VIR is my favorite. And you guys have been up there. So, yeah, it, uh, it's very technical, as you know. It's just a beautiful place. It's a great place to stay, you know, while you're at the track. Uh, oh, yeah. It For me, uh, it's hard to beat VIR. And I have been, like, the Laguna Seca, you know, I've been to Road Atlanta. I've been to some other, you know, Mid-Ohio. been to some other major tracks, but, wow, VIR is really a great track. Yeah, we're, we're lucky to have it so close to us. In fact, you know, if we were listening, we probably would not have done this, but our first door handle to door handle competition with Champ Car was a 24-hour race at VIR. We we dove in the deep end of the pool, and, and we had a blast. It is a beautiful property. Wow. Well, the facility is fantastic. Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting place in, in, after dark. Uh, oh, it was! Oh, it was. I, I promise <laughs> you, it was. Yeah, about one o'clock in the morning, um, the one of the people that was helping us uh, crew the car looked across the track and said, "Oh, look, there's there's a doe out there." <laughs> Can you imagine hitting a deer at you know a buck and a half oh, or something like that? Yeah, on that back straight coming up that hill. Oh man! Wow, seeing a deer just as you're just as you're ready to break. <laughs> yeah, seeing yep. a deer at the top of that well, hill, man. So, on the subject of tracks, what, what's a good track for a beginner? Like, what 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 should a beginner look for in a track if if, if they've got choice? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. That's one I've never thought about. But when thinking about it, I think that. Uh, you know, I'll answer kind of backwards, but NCM, the National Corvette Museum, is a great track, but it is really frightening for beginners because there are things to hit everywhere. There's guardrail, armco, and tire walls, and concrete walls. They are close, as you know, like Road Atlanta, same kind of thing, right? There's yes. lots of lots of things to hit, and so that. Uh, especially for students that are already kind of scared. Uh, you know, tracks like that are not easy to, th that first few sessions are just frightening and I, I can, and I can understand why, you know, things are close. You screw up, you're in the arm code. So what like for me, uh, yeah, I was going to say, so what, what would be a great track as a beginner is probably Barber. Right. It's uh, got lots of runoff in most places. Barber's a pretty good track. VIR seems to have a lot of runoff. And VIR, although it's a very complicated, you know, complicated track, it's very hard to hit something, I think. Right. I mean, yeah, I, VIR is another, uh, you know, it's very technical and it's got plenty of challenge to keep you interested for many, many sessions, right. but um, it's it's hard to just make a little mistake and be in the arm call. That's right. That's right. Well, currently I'm in HPDE2. Even though um, I went from DE2, I went straight into Champ Car. I have, um, have three door-to-door -door, uh, races under my belt now. I feel like I'm gaining some pretty good experience. How can an experienced driver go faster? Well, 
So one, um, well, I guess the obvious answer is you hire a, a very good coach, you know, and probably the more money you spend, uh, the better the coach. So if you have uh, a great coach, like at VIR, uh, Peter Kraus is at VIR. And uh, he's, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's renowned not only for being a great racing coach, he races himself, but his real area of specialty is the data side. So he, he will instrument your car and show you on your data where you need to improve and then be able to objectively show you how, you know, how your data is reflecting your improvement. So that would be one, you know, if you could afford uh, a day or two with Peter Krause up at VIR and uh, working with data, that would really be great. And then, then there's other ways, though, that are almost as good, I think, of getting uh, an AIM solo or uh, getting, uh, there's a, you know, a couple of others like a V-Box system or some other $500 type systems. Right. And learning to analyze data and like Ross Bentley on that Speed Secrets website, he has seminars on data analysis, you know, looking at your own data and seeing that, yeah, I'm really not pushing the brake hard here. I think I am. Or uh, what happens with experienced drivers uh, a lot is you think, that you're doing something like say you think I'm waiting later to break and you're in your head you're positive you do not come off that gas pedal until brake marker three but data will tell you that uh no actually you're creeping off that gas pedal at five <laughs> you're coasting <laughs> and and your foot is dragging on that brake like an old lady by three <laughs> right <laughs> Right. And that's the kind of thing where data will really, because in your head, you're just positive you're doing something. And then the data shows, no, not doing what you think you're doing. Yeah. Great. So data is yeah. one and good, and good coaching. You know, coaching is probably the all of them. Right. It's real good advice. Greg, we, we wanted to have you on so we could talk about, you know, high-performance driving instruction, how to get started, things to look for. And we really appreciate you being on. But before you go, I got one more question to ask you. You've done a lot. Sure. You've you've driven all these different tracks that you just mentioned here. What's what's left on the bucket list for Greg Bell when it comes to driving a, a car on a racetrack? What's that one thing you want to do? What's left? Well, what I've sort of been doing in the recent years is uh, there's tracks that are you know, the famous tracks like Laguna Seca, uh, Road America, you know, Watkins Glen. There's tracks like that that I have not been to. So I'd love to go, and whether I drive my Mini or, you know, my Camaro, doesn't really matter. I just love to go and, and learn the track, study the track, you know, prepare to go and be ready, you know, to go there, you know, spend a couple or three days learning the track and by the end of it feeling like I can drive the track solidly and could instruct, you know, would be willing to instruct someone there. So that's one thing. There's just tracks I've never been to. I'd love to go to. 
The one thing I would love to do, uh, I'm not sure I could afford it, is to do vintage racing. Because my only my only hesitation with wheel to wheel racing is tearing up cars. You know, I mean, as you guys know, you get stuff torn up by no fault of your own sometimes. So um, the one thing I would love to do is do vintage racing and something like an old BMW 2002 or air cooled Porsche. You know, just a race car that because vintage racing to me has the advantage that. People are a little bit less likely to make mistakes that tear up cars. So that's kind of my, that's sort of my bucket list. Is, uh, you know, I love to do vintage racing someday. Well, well, Greg, here's an open invitation. If you ever want to drive a vintage Crown Victoria race car, you can come join us anytime. Well, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to try that with you guys. This champ car thing, um, that, that appeals to me. What you guys are doing, you you doing some cool stuff i mean you you are uh, you're doing the technology you know you're doing you know very sophisticated mods i mean you guys are doing amazing stuff with the mods you're making you know the level of car you're building so yeah i'd love to drive with you guys yeah well as soon as we uh as soon as we can get it put together <laughs> it's completely torn apart uh, we're supposed to be racing what next week gene <laughs> <laughs> not gonna happen man it's not gonna happen nope unfortunately covid uh has taken uh has taken all my time with my with my job so um it, it's, oh, it, it's been kind of tough to get any work done on the car for sure but um yes well, you absolutely. It all put together, but you, you guys have to quit taking it apart <laughs> well great we're like, we're like you we have engineering minds so we we'd love to work on cars <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, you dive in, you think it's only a little, you're only going in part way, but right. pretty soon you've got the heart out on the table. <laughs> that's right. Well, listen, man, we really appreciate you being a guest on our show. Um, it was fantastic uh, uh, information that you provided for us and the listeners. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, uh, getting our champ car together and hopefully uh, getting a race. And man. We want to do VIR again, so it's your favorite track. I love, it's you. Yeah, I'd love to go. I'd love to be there with you. Man. Okay, well, it was uh, this was a real honor to be on this. Uh, I'm I'm honored to be part of this, and, and you've um, th this is cool what you're doing. I, I'm really uh, supportive of it. So, well, thank, well, we appreciate it. I'm glad to be on here with you. All thank right. you. Yes, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Okay. All right, we'll Take talk care, to you soon. You guys. Okay. Bye. Take care now. How about that, Gene? Mr. Greg Bell. Greg Bell, great guy. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. Make sure to check out our main website at midlifemotorheads.com and all our social outlets. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.